0: The following podcast may contain strong language and adult themes and is therefore entirely suitable for Danes of all ages. This is English for Danes. Daisy's blooming Sundress swaying in the breeze can't stop staring you've put a spell on me hi welcome this is the likes follow-up to queens and queues following on from my royal rant my first like is another nice to look at tax-funded reminder of the past with little modern purpose danish churches these strikingly picturesque white medieval churches with walled churchyards and the Dannebro proudly flying from the tower, are a godsend for the Danish countryside. Inside, they're pleasingly simple, or, on the Isle of Moon, have wonderfully entertaining drawings. Each church has a beautifully maintained churchyard. Older British churchyards have their own charm, overgrown with broken gravestones scattered around, but if you're going for orderly, tidy and cared for, Danish graveyards are hugely impressive. Even if we believe news reports that old people in Denmark aren't looked after too well in retirement homes, take comfort in the fact that you'll be looked after very well when you're dead. I must admit one example of my genuine stupidity. Before I knew differently, and based on my visits to Danish graveyards, I was surprised how popular the name Fred was in Denmark. Churches are one place you can avoid the delights of Danish queuing etiquette, except at Christmas, Easter and the confirmation season. I'm not a regular churchgoer at all. Another reason I feel so well integrated here. We've squeezed into the church near our summer house at Christmas. I've checked out the English church by Castellet. God, that was dull. And we were, for a time, regular at our local church when they served spaghetti bolognese my dad was a Methodist minister. One Easter, soon after I moved to Denmark, I discovered there was a Methodist church with a service in English just down the road. Why not? I thought. I turned up a little early and sat in a pew, the wooden benches, opposite the only other people there, a middle-aged white couple. Gradually more and more people arrived, all West African. Oh no, I thought. This was not because of any deep-set racism. It was because I've been to many church services in the past and I know that Africans, well, they tend to really get into it. And it didn't take them long. The minister, also African, gave his welcome. Every sentence, I kid you not, was greeted with a hallelujah from the congregation. Then it was time for the first hymn. The congregation didn't just stand they erupted. Tambourines came out, and folks danced around, feeling the power of Jesus, eyes closed, arms spread high. I sat there nervously smiling, one hand clapping my thigh. The other couple opposite looked just as uncomfortable. The sermon came. Time to relax. He gave us the Easter story. Died for our sins. Hallelujah. Laid in a tomb. Hallelujah. On the third day, they rolled away the stone. Hallelujah! The tomb was empty. Hallelujah! Christ had risen! Hallelujah! And how did they feel when they saw that Christ had risen? In the same way the American soldiers felt when they found Saddam Hussein. Hallelujah! You what? Hallelujah! Sorry, what? You're saying the equivalent of Jesus returning from the dead is a dictator being found in a hole? Brilliant! Barking mad, but brilliant. Anyway, the congregation obviously thought this was a perfectly valid comparison, and hallelujahed their way to the end. "'Hope to see you again,' the minister said warmly as I left. "'Yes.' There are two things about the Danish church I'm not so thrilled about. As I strongly believe the state and church should be entirely separate, I'm no fan of church tax. But it doesn't particularly bother me either. It's optional.' and as immaculately maintained churches and churchyards aren't cheap, and most Danes seem quite happy to continue paying their church tax, fair enough. The other church-related dislike is the Danish confirmation season. Jesus Christ. Kids in suits and white dresses being showered in cash, then getting a day off school to spend it, all in the name of Christianity, is one simplistic way of looking at it. Then we can have a milder version that considers the fact that some choose to avoid the church element and purely see it as a coming-of-age celebration, or just a reason for a party and a pile of cash. My problem with Danish confirmations has always been the excessive money connected with a church thing. And isn't it a little young for a coming-of-age celebration? Last night the voice of reason, the wife, sat me down, looked at me sympathetically and explained a few things. She said it's a tradition that goes far back when kids would leave home earlier to work and money was given to help them in their new start. OK, that makes sense. But aren't the church to blame for letting the excess get out of hand? Do you blame the church for the excessive commercialisation at Christmas? Yeah, also fair point. So today, I feel less condemning about Danish confirmation. Less. But it's still pretty obscene that this year the average family spent 33,000 krona on clothes, presents and parties, with the average me receiving 31,000 in gifts from family and friends. To partly explain why I feel this way, bear in mind that in the UK only the kids of regular churchgoers get confirmed and rather than a party and cash, they receive a Bible saying, Welcome to the church. I know, my dad gave me one. HERE'S ANOTHER LIKE, AND THIS TIME WITH NO BUT. AS I'VE MENTIONED, I LOVE HISTORY, AS EVERYONE SHOULD, AND I DO LOVE CASTLES. THANK THE LORD FOR ROYALS. MY FAMILY LOVE NOTHING MORE THAN WHEN I ANNOUNCE ON HOLIDAY, "Oh, THERE'S A CASTLE NEARBY, AS IF THIS WASN'T ALREADY PLANNED. THEY KNOW I'LL BE DRAGGING THEM UP A HILL, THEN WAITING AROUND WHILE DAD GETS ALL EXCITED READING ABOUT ITS STRATEGIC IMPORTANCE AND DEFENSIVE STRUCTURES. I'm not interested in the insides, the old furniture, etc. It's all about the walls, the things I could build with my Lego. Anyway, Danish castles. I welcome suggestions, but up to now it's a round of applause for Frederiksborg in Hillerød, great lake setting, Iskor on Foon, great forest grounds, and Kronborg, a big, solid mass watching Sweden. But the two that really stand out are Hammershus on Bornholm, cliff top and partly ruined, always a good thing, and the wonderful Sputrup Castle north of Hostelbro. Brilliant. No but. The third and final like today is your flag, the Dannebro. And you clearly like it too. A lot. It is everywhere. A birthday is not a birthday without the Dannebro greeting you at your work desk, adorning your cake, and lining a pathway to the party. Public holidays arrive with a sea of Dunneborough filling the streets. Flag-waving family and friends greet arrivals at the airport. The Dunneborough decorates Denmark's football fans. And any self-respecting dame with a garden has a flagpole. Especially if you have a colonie, colonie, I could never say that word, colonie, is that right? I don't know. You don't need to have a royal family to have a flag but royal occasions are another great reason to raise your flag or wave the daisy on a balcony. The Danneborough is simple, yet strikingly beautiful, especially against a clear blue sky, and even when stuck in the top of a pile of dog poo. When I first saw this, the flag in poo, I was a touch confused. Is this someone expressing their opinion of Denmark? Apparently not. I am told it's someone's way of saying something like this is Denmark and we don't leave piles of poo around. So there are folks walking around with flags in their pocket just in case they come across a pile of dog poo. Brilliant. Who are these people? I want one. The Dannebro also naturally appears on clothing. Not so much as the Norwegian flag does. Does Norway produce any clothing without their flag on? And why do Norwegian couples always dress the same? They always wear identical jackets. I like Norwegians. Christine is half Norwegian, but unfortunately doesn't have an amusing accent. We visited family a few times. Norway's landscape is certainly more attractive than Denmark, and the speed limit is so low, it's as if the Norwegians are saying, you will bloody well appreciate our scenery. Some family came to visit a few months back, they texted to ask what they could bring that Denmark was lacking. Oil, I replied. Anyway, Danes love their flag, and it doesn't seem to have been claimed by nationalists. Ours has. You don't often see the English flag. It's only at England football matches that people feel they can show it off without being accused of being racist. It's called the George Cross, a red cross on a white background. The Union Jack, the one that lined the streets at the Queen's funeral, represents all the countries of the United Kingdom. This you will see in tourist shops and flying from palaces, but you won't see it many other places, certainly not on birthday cakes. I think I should throw in a worth remembering here, as Danes seem quite confused about the UK. Bear with me. Three countries make up Great Britain. England, Scotland and Wales. Great Britain is usually shortened to Britain it's not so great anymore either. The UK, United Kingdom, is these three countries plus Northern Ireland. So four countries, England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. The island of Ireland, different spelling, yes, that's confusing, is divided in two. I won't get into history and politics now, but we'll say that Northern Ireland is pretty much half Catholic and half Protestant. To be simplistic, the Catholics would prefer to join the rest of Ireland. The Protestants would want to stay in the UK. You may have heard about the Troubles in Northern Ireland. So when Danes refer to store Britannian," they logically think of Great Britain and ignore Northern Ireland. You may have noticed that I typically refer to myself as British rather than English. This is because I associate myself with the UK as a whole, We don't have a word like United Kingdomer. People from Scotland will typically say they are Scottish. Those from Wales will typically say they are Welsh. I assume people from the Faroe Islands and Greenland identify more with Faroan and Greenlander than Danish. I could be wrong. A couple more worth remembering. Number one. Raise versus rise. You can raise a flag, you can raise prices and you can raise children. You raise something. You can't rise something. Something rises. The sun rises. Unemployment rises. Energy prices are rising. Raise before, rise after. Number two. I was born in 1970. I was born in 1970. Not I am born like in Danish. The only times we use the present with born is in, a new prince or princess is born every two years, or I'm a born again Christian. And if you hear that, run. And number three, do you agree that the royals belong in the past? Do you agree that Danes aren't the most considerate in queues? Your answer, yes, I agree, or No, I don't agree. Don't say, yes, I am agree. Or, no, I'm not agree. There's no am, is, are, etc. before agree. Do you agree? Not, are you agree? They say a week is a long time in politics. It's certainly been a very long week for no longer Prime Minister Thick Lizzie. Thick is the opposite of thin. But while a person can be physically thin, they can't be physically thick. The opposite here would be fat or chubby or not thin. A thick person is not so bright, not so intelligent. I thought I had to clarify that point. I don't want to be accused of being a sizist. On the subject, a person can be tall or short or even big or small. They can't be high unless they've taken drugs or low unless they're really sad. Buildings are high and low. The UK now has another unelected Conservative Prime Minister. At the moment UK politics seems to be one long Monty Python sketch. And you lot vote on Tuesday. Well, most of you. I hear 10% of the other population aren't entitled to vote, and 20% of Copenhageners, including me. 18 years here counts for nothing. And I couldn't even vote against Brexit. I am a nobody. Enjoy election day and good luck. And that will do. Hallelujah.